Good morning, church. Oh, what a great day to come to church. What a beautiful day in San Diego. The sun is shining. Every day is a beautiful day, if we're honest. How lucky are we to live here? How blessed. We are so blessed. We live in San Diego and we live in this country. Gosh, we're so blessed. Thank you, Lord. Well, you guys, we ended December, uh, we were doing an end of the year like a uh, campaign to reach our goal. And I'm going to give you guys an end of the year report next week. I'm going to walk you through a little bit about um, what we saw come through and what that means for us and where we're going in 2024. I want to thank all of you guys um, for just your generosity and your giving because we couldn't do any of this without you. Believe it or not, a little from a lot goes a long way. And uh, your contributions make a big difference. And uh, I can't wait to highlight where we're at with you guys next week. Um, okay, so we're wrapping up our series on the spiritual gifts, or, or I'm sorry, spiritual practices and rhythms of renewal. And we started off the series talking about, right, uh, the word, the practice of the word. Then we looked at practice of fellowship. This week, we're going to talk about the practice of service. We've been looking at how spiritual practices don't substitute for God's grace, but they leverage God's grace for the transformation work that God's doing in us and for the good that God wants to bring to the world through us. Are you with me? Spiritual practices, right? And so we've been looking at different ones. Today, we're going to get this one. I, I want to challenge you to think through one spiritual practice from the series that you're going to walk away with. Don't be an overachiever, all right? Spiritual practices are not a time for us to, like, you know, get five stars, you know, to get a sticker on our paper. Um, I want you just to pick one thing, from the, whether it's from the Word or the fellowship or today's teaching on service, that you're going to put into practice and turn it into a simple, repeatable pattern that just becomes a part of your life, a part of your life rhythm. All right, so let's talk about service. And to do that, I want to share a story with you about when God made an impression on me about the practice of service. I had a friend invite me when I was in college to go with him downtown to bring food to the homeless. I'd never done that before. And so uh, we made a bunch of sandwiches, you know, bought chips. We, we collected a bunch of clothes from friends. We put them in bags. And, uh, ah, Bartels, you guys are up in front. Remember we did this? You guys went with us down there. Uh, I've known these guys since college, right? Um, so we all went down there. And the first time I went, we were, I had sort of like this, this sort of performance mindset. Are you with me? Like, I want to get all this food out and all the clothes out. And for me, it was like a score sheet. How many people did we bless? All right, that's a good thing, right? You want to bless a lot of people, but I was kind of in for a perspective shift. As we sat down, we gave this guy some food, some hot chocolate, he got some clothes. I'm like, right, who's next? And this other guy who was with us just sat there. I stood up, he stayed seated. And he starts asking the homeless guy some questions. Hey, tell me about where you come from. Tell me about your family. How did you end up here? And he, they just started having conversation. And I was like, oh man, we got people to see. No, seriously, I was like, what are you doing? So I'm just standing there like this. And then I'm like, oh, I guess I'm, I better sit down. So I sat down. This guy, the homeless guy, was kind of going in and out of coherent and incoherent thought. He'd be talking about his family, and then he's talking about superheroes and about Batman. And then he's talking about um, how he became homeless. And then he's talking about Spider-Man. You know, it was kind of this, and I'm like, well, why are we doing this? It's, it's just it's not very practical. But it started to dawn on me something important was happening, and it 
created a paradigm shift for me. I came down to feed homeless. This guy came down to love homeless people. And by listening to them, he was restoring dignity to them as a human being, as a person made in the image of God. Right? This was a paradigm shift for me. We're going to look at a moment where Peter goes through the same thing with Jesus. Now, I want to ask you a question. Can you think of a moment in your life where someone has served you, or you've seen someone serving someone else that inspired you, that touched your heart, like, wow, I want to be more like that, or that changes the way I see what it means for me to bring blessing to others. Have you ever had a moment like that where someone touched you with their example of service? Can you bring one to mind right now? Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it was a stranger. Maybe it was something you saw on TV or read in a book. Bring that to mind, will you? I want to read a story where we see Jesus do one of the most memorable acts of service and the way that it defines his purpose on the cross and our calling as disciples. Join me in John chapter 13, verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around them. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, do you not realize now that what I'm doing? Or you, I'm sorry, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then the Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Now, after this moment, Jesus begins to teach them about why he's doing what he's doing. And he summarizes it perfectly in verse 15. Let me read it to you. And actually, let's read it out loud together. Would you join me in reading this verse? And would you stand and join me? If you can't stand, remain where you are. But this is such an important verse. I want it to get your attention. Let's read it out loud. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Come on, this is the word of the Lord to you today. Let's pray, Lord, open our hearts to what your scripture is saying to us. Let it touch our hearts. Let it change our lives. Let it shift our perspective and give us a new paradigm of seeing our place in this world and your grace toward us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right. Um, So how would you describe Peter in his reaction to Jesus in this moment. Jesus comes up to him, and Peter, maybe you would think, would be like, oh, Jesus, I've been waiting for you to wash my feet. Wow. No, but look, let's go to the next slide. How would you describe Peter's reaction? I love this painting, right? Doesn't this, doesn't Maddox Brown, painted in mid-19th century, capture the moment perfectly? Look at Peter's face, right? <laughs> some of us are servers. Some of us, um, you know, maybe like to be served. But some of us just like to do all the serving. We like to be the one doing the helping, but we don't like letting people know when we need help. Are you like that? 
Anyone here like that? Like, oh, you love to be the one out making the meals and, letting, and helping people in need. But it's hard for you to let people know your needs. It's hard for you to even be honest about your own needs where you need help. I love this moment because Peter kind of captures that tension for us, right? How would you describe Peter's reaction in this moment where Jesus, the Son of God, is serving him? All right, what comes to mind when you look at this moment? I got a few for you. Stunned? How about that one? Like, Jesus, right? Confused, Jesus? How about this one? Uncomfortable, Jesus. Embarrassed? How about that one? Or I think maybe we could even say offended. Don't you think? Like, it's offending his sensibility of greatness. Jesus, you're this great person. You're the Messiah, the Son of God. You are my leader, my teacher. And he's offending his sense of what greatness is and what great people do. How can you do this? And I think there's a good reason for that. Because the only people that the disciples had seen doing this were slaves and servants in the homes of wealthy people. Let me give you the historical context. The disciples would have gone into wealthy people's homes with Jesus. They would have gone into the home of some of these leading Pharisees who were wealthy. Some of the, leading, some of the homes of tax collectors who were wealthy. And they would have seen servants and slaves washing their feet. But when you go to a party, the servant and the slave washing the feet is not the main attraction, right? It's the host that you're visiting. It's the food they're spreading. It's the networking opportunities you're going to have. And so when you walk in the door, what do you remember from the night? You don't remember the name of the servant who washed your feet. You remember, oh man, that carne asada was perfecto, you know. You remember the food. You remember the conversation. The servant, the slave who washed your feet is an accessory, just furniture in the house to serve you. And Jesus takes that role, and he brings it front and center. And this moment is so, so important, because in this simple gesture, Jesus speaks powerfully to the role of service in his, in his redemptive purpose, and in our life as disciples and followers of Jesus. It's simple, right? He's not walking on water. He's not healing anybody. He's not giving a powerful sermon like the Sermon on the Mount. He's doing something that we could all do if we're willing, if we see the moment and the opportunity. Now, I want to talk about this. The way that Jesus uses this moment and the practice of service to teach us about his purpose on the cross, number two, the importance of service as a spiritual practice in our life. That's part one. Part two of this message, I'm going to invite Kelly to come up. She's the head of our mission impact ministry here at our church. She's going to walk us through opportunities and ways for us to put service into practice in our life, in our church, and in the world, all right? So part one, part two, let me get to it. Let's talk about the way that practice of service defines Jesus' redemptive purpose, the cross. Look at verse 8 with me. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. What does this say about Jesus' ministry? What does this say about his purpose? Think about it for a minute. What is Jesus communicating? Think about the totalitarian terms of this moment. You cannot have some of me. You can have a little of me. Or we can, you know, no, no, no. It is an all or nothing thing. You, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Does that strike you? It's a bit extreme, isn't it? And what is it talking about? How about this? At the very heart of the gospel is not what we must do for God. 
It is what God has already done and continues to do for you. Now, this is why this is so important. Peter, if you know Peter's personality, he's a doer, right? I like Peter. I'm like Peter. I'm more of a doer than anything else. I would rather go do something for God than talk about it or think about it. I'm more of a jump first, think later, right? I'm jumping off this cliff. Are there rocks down there? I hope not as I'm falling, right? That's just my natural temperament, personality. And I like Peter. He wants to get out and do something for God. God, I'm going to serve you. You shouldn't wash my feet. I should be washing yours. And then we know Peter's story. If you know the story, he's like, Jesus, I will die for you. I'm going to go with you to prison. Everybody else is going to ditch you, but not me. Remember that part about Peter? Peter's got it backwards. Does that mean what we do for God has no place? No, no. We're going to talk about how it is essential. However, we have to get first things first. The heart of the gospel is not what we do to save ourselves or save our friends, save our marriage, or save our world. It is what God is doing to save us. And the service that we bring has to be out of the overflow of that radical grace in our life. At the very heart of the gospel is what God has done for you. When you go into the world to serve, if you go in with that attitude, you're going to guard your heart from burnout, disillusionment, and arrogance that we alone can save the world. But Ryan, shouldn't we do something? Yes. Let's talk about that. Titus 3.5 says this, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his his mercy, his grace. Right? He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So right there, there's that imagery of washing representing rebirth. I want to talk about what this moment represents in specific terms. What does Jesus' washing of the feet represent? Number one, represents the grace of God that saves us. If you're taking notes, I see some of you guys, write that down. The grace of God that saves us. Now here's something that's important. In the New Testament, I don't know if you guys know this, this might be a little bit dicey for some of us, but... If I were to ask you, what is the number one way that God calls us to demonstrate his grace to the world? What would you say it is? If I were to look at the New Testament, it would be service. People will know the grace of God. They will see it demonstrated by acts of service. Service has a unique place, not in substituting for God's grace, but in demonstrating God's grace, it is the good works that the Bible over and over again says, the way that we silence, it says, Paul writes, our detractors is not by having the irrefutable argument, although certainly we should give a reason for our faith and be able to defend our faith, yes. But the most important thing that we bring to the world that touches their hearts with the grace of God are acts of service good works. Do you believe that? Maybe you're not so convinced. Let's think about that and hold on to it as we continue. Number two, it represents the need for cleansing from sin that enslaves us to pride and insecurity. Why does Peter, Jesus need to wash Peter? Because he needs to be cleansed. He needs a new paradigm of himself, a new center of motivation. And when we are operating in service out of the overflow of God's grace for us, it protects us from our pride. Meaning what? When we serve, it protects us from indebting people to us. Look at how much I've done for you. Where is my return? And now there's nowhere easier for this to happen than in marriage, right? 
I washed the dishes three nights in a row. Don't you owe me now? You owe me that back rub. Come on, haven't we ever done the quid pro quo in marriage? Do this with our siblings, kids. We do this maybe with our parents. I took out the trash and did my chores. Don't you now have to buy me those movie tickets, mom? Come on. I was a good kid, right? But it cleanses us. When we are receiving God's grace, it humbles us and it frees us from entitlement, from pride, and also from insecurity. Because if it's by grace that we serve others, we're free from our insecurity that maybe says, you don't have enough, you are not enough to bring to others to help. Number three, washing disciples' feet represents the power of the Holy Spirit renewing God's love in our hearts for others so that the love, the service that we bring is about learning to love other people and express that love. Not just another notch on our belt. Look at how good I am. Not a work of righteousness. And then lastly, it represents washing their feet, a choice. A choice to receive God's grace. And Peter says, no, no, I don't want to receive it. Because for some of us, receiving is hard to do. And Jesus is saying it's out of the overflow of God's grace in our life that we serve others. Now, what I love about this is it frees us from depending on ourselves when we serve others. And as we lean into God's grace, it begins to reorient our center on what he's doing for us. So it protects us from burnout right? It's about God's grace. It's not about you going out there and achieving something and doing what she did or he did to impress yourself or others or God. No, service is not about keeping up with the Jones. Look at how much they do. Shouldn't we do that much too? Be inspired. But grace frees us from having to measure up. And it releases us to be compelled by gratitude and joy and the desire to bring God's goodness to others. All right, let's talk about the practice. So that's the purpose. It's anchoring it in grace so that it overflows in our life. Verse 15, the practice. What's the spiritual practice kind of looks like? Look at, let's read it out loud together. Such a great verse. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. So now Jesus is like, it's not just something you receive. It's something you do. Now, that's important, right? This is the other side of the equation. Some of us are like, hey, I'm grace. God loves me. I'm, a, I'm, I'm saved. I'm walking with the Lord. You are saved by grace, not by your works, but for your good works. To begin to grow and mature into that grace by getting out in the world and doing good and bringing the goodness of God. And so we're going to follow that example. And I want to talk about service as a spiritual practice. I want to remind us of the definition I showed us a couple weeks ago. Here it is. Spiritual practices are activities of mind and body that help us to cooperate with God's There it is. So that we become more and more like him. So here's the question. How does the practice of service help us cooperate with God's grace? First, I want to just outline a couple examples of what service can look like. And then Kelly's going to really get practical and help you discern where God is leading you, all right, so that you can mature into God's grace, but also bring God's good to the world. Watch, here we go. Number one, it could be generosity. That is an act of service, bringing our time, talent, and treasure. We'll hear a testimony in a video in a minute about someone bringing their talent to serve others. 
Hospitality, opening up our home, opening up our time and our calendar, inviting someone from church out to coffee to get to know their story. Listening is an act of service, like the person in that the story I shared at the beginning of the service. Not just bringing food, but bringing his heart to a guy who's homeless to hear his story. Helpfulness, right? Helpfulness is like, I like I'm going to highlight this one. There's simple, small acts like babysitting, giving up our spot in line. Think about when you're getting on the freeway, you know, and everyone's like trying on the freeway, and then that one person comes on the outside and tries to sneak in. You know that person? You know that person? What do we, I don't know if you're like me, because you're probably more generous than me. Here's me. I'm like in the car, and I see them coming around. I'm like, oh, no, you're not. Oh, no, you're not. Oh, no, you're not. And I'm like, right up against the back of the car in front of me because I am going to uphold the standard of righteousness that says you will wait your turn in line. You will wait. I am not letting you in. I don't care. It's not for me because I'm not that selfish, but the person behind me, that's not fair to them. No, it's going through my brain like that. Yeah, welcome to my crazy. Well, well, maybe we let them in. We go, the grace of God be with you today. <laughs> Let's let them in go, grace of God be with you today. Yeah. Encouragement, affirming and calling out the best, or how about this proclaiming God's truth? Yes, yes, yes. Here's the point. I'm going to wrap it up. The spiritual practice of service, doing good to others, it's the way we cooperate with God's grace that is making us more like him. Look at 1 Timothy 4.7. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Doesn't that strike you as a bit heretical? Can you train yourself in godliness? Isn't that what the Holy Spirit does? Isn't that what the gospel does? But you can actually train yourself. Because remember, spiritual practices leverage the grace of God for his glory and good in our life. Okay? Um, If I had to highlight the core things that spiritual practice does... Right? If we use a workout metaphor, when we do spiritual service or the practice of service, it strengthens our humility, it strengthens us in compassion, and it strengthens us in our faith. That's our core, our abs, our humility. We become interruptible. We ask, how can I be useful? Not just a critic, but how can I be helpful? Compassion, we begin to see others beyond our own needs. Sometimes when we're stuck in a hard season of life, the most important thing we can do is pick our eyes up and start to help someone else. And faith. It takes faith to believe that your little five loaves and two fish in God's hands can make a difference. I want to invite, actually, you know what? We're going to watch a video. Listen to this testimony as John Kinney shares about service and his journey with Jesus. And then I have Kelly come up and show us how we can really get involved. And she's going to really share her story and get us activated. Watch the video. My name is John Kenny. My friends and family call me JK. I grew up in South Bend, Indiana, and went on to uh, Denison University and graduated in 1982. Was lucky enough to be drafted by the Pittsburgh Pirates um, at shortstop. Was the first player drafted from that university. Um, My conversion was in 1988, uh, when I was transferred out here from Chicago to Carlsbad with the Upper Deck Trading Card Company. I went through the unfortunate circumstances, and it all happened at the same time. downsized from my job, went through a divorce with my ex-wife, and lost my house at all at the same time. So literally and figuratively, I was brought to my knees. Um, But as they say, God takes ashes and turns it into beauty. And um, from that, um, accepted Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Uh, Went on to get plugged into a church here in Southern California. 
um, and found out that you know, 15 years later that I had a talent for leading kids' ministries, who knew, uh, and really enjoyed doing that. As we moved into the post-pandemic world, I really fell away from the church. I was stifled, I wasn't growing, I wasn't, I wasn't um, using the talents God gave me. Um, and I made a decision that 2023, my mantra was gonna be say yes to everything and commit to nothing. And that's exactly what I did. So walking through the doors here uh, a year ago in January 2023 at the invitation of another pastor, um, I just felt at home. I really felt at peace. The people here were engaging. I was learning from the pastor on the stage. As I progressed and got to know folks, I was introduced to what they call the bottom line series. And with my 40 years of executive background, I thought, well, that might be a way in which I can be of service. I can use my wisdom, my experience from what I've grown up and learned and help give that back. And then as the summer progressed, kids game came onto the, uh, the horizon. And I thought to myself, well, I'm an athlete. I love kids. And that's what I did. I, I gave back, spent a week, and again, just, um, just blessed beyond measure to uh, be a part of that. I would say if there's any message from this whole conversation with you is take a look at your talents. Take a look at what you're gifted in. What has God naturally given you? Um, and use that as your calling. And take that first step of faith and say yes. You don't have to commit to it, but just say yes and get involved. And by doing so, God's going to take you on this adventure that is just, that'll just blow your socks off. I know he has for me, and I'm sure he will for you as well. Amazing. I love John Kenny and his story. And I love that he was willing to use his talents for God and say yes. And he said yes and commit to nothing. And then it's kind of like dipping your toe in the water. You get to say yes and see what you want to dive deeper into. And so I love John Kenny's story. And it sets us up for what we're going to talk about. That's what we're talking about today is where does God want you to say yes to service? Whether that's on campus, locally, or globally. There's so many opportunities at our church, and so I want to dive deep with you. But I wanted to also um, first introduce myself, if you don't know me. <laughs> um, I'm Kelly Carlson, and I get to serve with our Mission Impact team. And I've been with them for over six years, and it's been a privilege. And we have phenomenal partners. Uh, we believe God's always moving and working and on mission, and we get a partner with the organizations and churches that are contextualized and already doing amazing work, and we get to come alongside them. So we have partners locally and globally, um, and we get to serve with them. And we have so many amazing volunteers that are already doing phenomenal work, and so we want to invite you into that today. Um, but the reason I am thrilled to be up here is because I'm extremely passionate about service. Um, it is what transformed my life, and I wanted to share a little bit about my story, and then I also want to share about a couple stories of awesome volunteers in our church. We have a lot, so I'm only going to pick a few, um, but their story of how service has been transformative, of joy, of meaning, of God's power in their life and how it's transformed them, and so I want to share these stories of just the multiple ways that people engage in our church, but also maybe you can find yourself in one of these stories and see how God wants to kind of quicken your heart to what you want to say yes to um, as we talk about this discipline of service. Um, so I grew up in Carlsbad. I grew up right down the street, grew up in this church. I even served. I, went, I served in kids' games. I went abroad at 15 and did kids' games in Egypt. And so I had served. I was familiar with church. And so I I um, was engaged, but I also was extremely ambitious. I had my own dreams, my own desires, and I wanted to be the best at whatever I did. So my goal was pro soccer. 
Um, I was semi-pro, so never got to pro, so I said, okay, what's the next best thing? Okay, go make a lot of money. So I ended up going to work on Wall Street, and so that's an ambitious person's you know, dream, making six figures right out of college, but my spiritual and emotional life was just at rock bottom. I was uh, experienced a lot of pain through my own choices and others, and felt tormented in my own self. I even felt like, okay, God's calling me back to him, but there's no way anyone's going to believe I'm a Christian. There's no way I'm redeemable. Like you do not know all the things I have done or that have happened to me. Um, there's no way God can change me. And that's how I started going back into church. And the reason I started going back into church is because I was like, okay, if I go to church, maybe I won't die. Maybe I won't die. Maybe this is the one place that will help me stay somewhat on a right track, even though, according to the world standards, I was doing great. So as I'm going back into church in New York City, I was invited to serve. And I was like, okay, well, it's one, one day of the week I won't drink. I will um, go to church. I'll serve. Because if you work in finance, if you know anything about New York or the corporate world, um, you are really good at your job if you know how to party and drink. And so I was really good at my job. Um, <laughs> the 80 hours and the after hours. Um, so I was invited to serve and I was like, okay, I'll serve. And we were part of the welcome team. And at that time I was not the same person I am now. I was not bubbly. I was not kind. I was not a hugger. I was like, stay away six feet before COVID regulations, you know? Um, and <laughs> I didn't trust anyone, but I was invited in the welcome team. And... <laughs> So no one is disqualified. Everyone could be a part of the welcome team. Um, but I was part of this welcome team at our church in New York, and it started to evolve. I just kept showing up, showing up consistently, and I started to belong. I started to find a different type of community that I found at work or found from different areas of life. And I do believe that's part of our church is before we understand and believe everything, you belong. We're all broken. We're all on a journey. There's... God's always wanting to do stuff in our lives, and no matter what, like, you belong. There is a place for you here. And I really felt that where I was, and I then started to get challenged. These people started to get to know me, and they're like, hey, like, you should really go to a small group. And I was like, yeah, I'm good. And um, then I also, um, they kept challenging me, kept getting to know me, and saw things in myself that I didn't really see, because I was still racked with shame and guilt and just completely disqualified. I can't believe, you know, I would never be a Christian. And so they invited me to lead. And I was like, you don't know me. No. Um, but in that process, being invited to leave it, lead um, these service teams, I actually felt God calling me higher. He was inviting me into a level of leadership that had to be consistent with a Christian leader. And so I couldn't be partying and drinking all the time. And it really made me look at my life and say, okay, if I'm going to lead, if I'm going to take this, then I need to walk out my faith. And actually being called into leadership in a higher level of responsibility is what actually catapulted me to dive deeper in my faith. I was being challenged to go where God wanted me to go, even though in my own self I didn't. And so that might be a word for some of you today, that you have been consuming. You have been coming to church, and you have been going to small groups, but you feel like God's calling you to lead a home group or lead a service team or lead a mission trip. Maybe God is calling us deeper into leadership and ownership because that actually influences our life and the lives of others around us. 
And so that changed a trajectory in my life. I kept pushing more and more into the realm of formation by service into the image of God, even though the rest of my life was still being formed by the world. And as I'm leading, as I'm serving, it's been about a year and a half or two that I said I'd come back to God, and I'm like, okay, God, cool. I'm doing it. I'm serving. But you haven't changed me. I'm not changed. I still feel like I have all the desires. I still want to go back to my old life. I'm still wrestling with my flesh. And (laughs) this was in service at the church, and I felt clearly God say, it's not about you. And I was like, my, this isn't about me. You're right. My salvation, my healing, my transformation isn't just about me. And the salvation and the healing and the transformation hadn't happened yet. But I was convinced in that moment that I'm like, okay, I don't want to be a weak link in walking out my salvation so other people can't know him. Because I did believe that God was using me and doing things in me that I had no idea through service. And through that consistency of service... It's kind of like going to the gym. There's a little resistance to service. But once you go, you always feel better after. And you might not see transformation the first time you go to the gym, the 17th time you go to the gym, even the 70th. But definitely by the 700th time, you will feel transformation, pending eating and all that stuff, you know. Um, But service is very similar. The consistent, small, habitual acts actually have enormous impact on us. And... When I served, when I was leading, when I was being formed into the image of God, service allowed me to do that while still living in this other life of the, the formation of the world. And so I have a great quote from Richard Foster. It says, Service is the most conducive to the growth of humility. Nothing disciplines the inordinate desires of the flesh like service. And nothing transforms the desires of the flesh like service and hiddenness. I love this quote because it, it just encapsulates that service is a formation in the way of Jesus where the rest of the world's convincing us to do other things just for ourselves. And service is a way to put other people above us and to know that everything that happens is transforming you and the other person that receives the love of God through you. So where do we start as a church? What does that look like? Well, who better to ask than Mother Teresa? She is, as you guys know, she went abroad to India serving the most marginalized and vulnerable. And she said, when you know how much God is in love with you, then you can only live your life radiating that love. I always say that love starts at home. Family first, and then your own town or city. It is easy to love people who are far away, but it's not always easy to love those who live with us or right next to us. Don't look at your neighbor. Um, <laughs> but isn't that so true? Sometimes it's so easy to love people that are in need or that are around the world or impoverished or marginalized. It's easy to love those people sometimes. But the people right next to us can be the hardest. And so in the, ter- in the, in the sense of service is everyone around you is a person that you can serve. They're made in the image of God, and serving is always illuminating the love of God to people, no matter how small or big. And so we want to invite you into starting there. Maybe it's your spouse, and moms, you're already serving your children, but maybe it's children serving your parents. Or maybe it's your neighbors. Maybe it's the neighbors that always play, always play music at midnight and you do not like. We have those. 
but we like them. Um, <laughs> so start, start where it's easy. Maybe, maybe it's easy for you to go on a global mission trip, but you're not totally sure how to love those people right next to us, probably because they get under our skin. But the, that's where God wants us to start. And then we have this serve card. You guys probably got it on the way in. But on this serve card, it says compassion for all people. And then on the back, we have campus, local, and global. So we're going to go through uh, some of those options. And we can show them the campus opportunities. So as you guys know, like this is a massive campus. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. And things don't run on their own. Um, but it's your church. It's our church. We all get to take ownership. We all get to invest. And instead of consuming, we get to participate. And that's where God transforms us as we participate in service. And so um, there's production and events. You guys can make the service go seamlessly. Uh, there's the welcome team. If you're angry and not trust people, come be on the welcome team with me. Um, and then there's like safety and security if you have a specific talent in that area. And then our youth and children, like phenomenal ministries that if you are maybe an empty nester and have time, and that would be a great opportunity. Or if you are time poor and you have kids and you're always busy, just invite people into your life to do things with you. Um, and obviously Kids Games is coming up. There's tons of opportunities to use your talents for God's glory in that. And that is actually one of our greatest outreach ministries as well. Um, and then we have a lot of local opportunities. So these local opportunities, there's tons on there. All of these slides are going to be online, and we're going to have a PDF you can download for all the opportunities so you can plan to serve with your family and friends. Um, but we have one-time events. We have a one-meal packing event. Uh, we do this every year, but it's going to be on March 3rd. And this is a great opportunity for families to come alongside each other, serve. And these actually have global impact. That You, pr you probably saw at the end of your video that we went to Uganda and got to distribute these uh, meals to kids in desperate need that are refugees in Uganda. And then we have the Sangita 5K walk where we, it's so fun, we get to do a color run and kids come alongside and we're raising funds for widows and orphans in India. And then you can go visit them on a global trip. Um, and then we have a beach cleanup we're going to do right before Easter. And then we have ongoing trips and, or ongoing opportunities with San Diego Rest Mission, Strong Families, Refugee Care. But I wanted to highlight a story of one of our amazing volunteers here, Ron and Wendy Wilson. They have spearheaded our Strong Families ministry here. And Wendy's always had this heart for women, and especially women in crisis and children. And she has seen God's blessings, and she's like, I want to help them. So she's been spearheading this where you bring in um, kids to have a safe night's sleep as their mom deals with crisis or their family deals with crisis. And because we want to prevent them going into foster care. So these... This couple has brought some kids into their into their home and you know made friends with the mothers, and in this process, Ron obviously is supporting his wife, but he has been um, experiencing God's love for them as he's heard their stories. He doesn't always know um, the background, or he has um, realized that maybe he doesn't understand what people are doing or thinking or how they get in situations, and so it's made him more empathetic. And as he's become more empathetic, he realizes God has a bigger plan for us Christians. And even that empathy has translated into his leadership skills at work. And so he's been able to become a better leader at work through serving through strong families. And I just love that because it illustrates how what we 
get out of service and how we transform is actually translatable to other people we encounter in the rest of our lives. Um, and there's so many opportunities, you know, campus and local, that small little things that can transform people's lives. Like smiling at someone can make their day. Letting them go first in, you know, driving may make their day. But we never know the impact of our small and how big it will have an impact in people's lives. Um, and then globally, we have seven short-term mission trips this year alone. And honestly, we have phenomenal partners abroad. They are radical. They challenge me every time I see them. They are great at discipleship. They are sold out for Jesus. And honestly, we say we go to serve them, but I think we get served the most and blessed the most. But um, it's just an amazing way to see what God's doing in the rest of the world and how he's transforming people there. And it encourages us that we can do that here as well. So I have one story of a dear friend, you guys might know him, Stephen King, Stephen and Lisa King. Well, um, Lisa's always, always gone on mission trips. She was born in Beirut, so she was a global-minded and always wanting to serve. And Stephen, her husband, um, was not. He was not the same way. He, um, they would come to church here, and he would just go straight to the car, not talk to anyone, let Lisa do her thing. But he was like, I'm, I don't need fellowship. I don't need anything. I'm good. So he would go sit in the car. And he was invited into trips, but he said, hey, I'm like way too busy. I'm not going to spend two weeks of my life. Um, I only have two weeks of vacation. I'm not going to spend one of those or two of those on a mission trip. I'm going to travel, but I'm not going to go do that. And it's a lot of money to raise. Like, I don't have money. I'm not going to do that. So those are the things that was going through his mind. And so Lisa would go. She would raise the money. And she ended up taking their kids. And obviously, he, for, he regretted that. But 13 years ago, he lost his job. So the excuse of not having time went out the window. And he felt, he, you know, saw one of these and saw that, hey, he, there's a trip he can go on. And it was a building trip. And as he's kind of hearing that, he felt prompted by God that he should go. And he was wrestling with God. He's like, I don't want to go. I don't need to go. I don't want to spend my money. I need to get a new job. Um, but... He finally, as he was surfing, he surrendered to God, crying, um, saying, okay, God, whatever you want, I'm going to say yes. If this is what you want, I'm going to say yes, and you have to provide, because I don't have a job, I don't have money. And so he ended up saying yes, and he went on this mission trip. It was a building trip. Stephen's not a builder, <laughs> and he realized that. <laughs> but he realized more that he is... He loves kids. He loves ministering to kids and playing with kids. And he has a passion for children. And so after that trip, he's been serving in our children's ministry here for 13 years. 13 years. Like, yeah, phenomenal, right? I mean, who, who wouldn't want their four-year-old hanging out with Stephen King, who's just radical and in love with Jesus? So, um, but he also was like, hey, the people who gave were a part of what God was doing in my life. They gave to the transformation that God was doing in his life through this trip. And so I love that, whether it's generosity, whether it's hospitality, whether it's serving your family or your friends or neighbors or doing one of the, working on, serving on campus once a month or doing a one-off event with us in our local community or even going on a global trip, there are all ways that God is inviting us to participate in what he's already doing. And so I want to invite the band out as we go into this last quote that I think sums it up from Richard Foster. It says, 
The risen Christ beckons us to the ministry of the towel. Such a ministry flowing out of the inner recesses of the heart is life and joy and peace. And so we've been talking a lot about service and how we want to be formed into the image of God and how this practice is the best formation in embodying what Christ did. He set that example. And so as we just sit and ponder and listen, like, what does God have for you? What does he want you to say yes to? Is that on campus? Is that local? Is that global? Is it just creating more of a mindset of service wherever you go, asking God who you can serve in that moment? Hey, church. Uh, Before we go, uh, Kelly wants to highlight a card that we gave to you guys. Could you guys hold this card up? I know we already highlighted it, but just in case, we are passionate and compassionate for all people, and so we love this opportunity to serve. So as we mentioned before, there's a serve QR code, local and global, and our website, as you can see behind, that has all the information as well. And then the 2024 opportunities is a PDF of all the things for this year. So if you want to plan or think through it and pray through it with your family, that would be an awesome opportunity to say yes to what Jesus has for you. I want to send you guys out with a blessing. Let's uh, open our hearts in prayer to God. Lord, thank you for the great service that you have rendered to us. No greater act of service has ever been done than the giving of your life for us on the cross. And so I pray that every person in this room be filled with fresh joy of the grace of God that, God, you have poured into their life. I pray for those who don't yet know you, that, God, you would reveal your grace through your son Jesus to their lives. And we pray, Lord, let it overflow. God, show us and open our eyes to opportunities to step into a moment of service that will touch someone's life with your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See you outside, everyone. Thank you. Have a great week.